Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Earlier today, we were on Capitol Hill when the Supreme Court's official ruling came down. We spoke to Tennessee Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger to get her reaction. Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, it's, it's a great day today. I'm telling you, it's a spectacular day. And that leads me to my first question. Um, what does the uh, Supreme Court's ruling today mean to you? It means that 50 years of continued prayer works and God is faithful and the overturning of Roe v. Wade today is probably some of the most historic legislation overturning this decision that we could ever have. And uh, sending it back to the states is where it should have been all along. And so this is just vindication for all us pro-life, um, you know, not just representatives, but for the people of America. Congresswoman, there, there is a moral and spiritual aspect to this decision for a lot of people, but there's also a legal aspect, and you touched upon it. What does this mean more from the legal standpoint? It means that now the states will have the right to determine whether or not they want to allow abortion, and it should be up to the people of the state. And I support those representatives who are going to determine whether it's right or wrong and uh, serve the constituents and, and what the will of the people is. It's all about the will of the people. People, and the federal government should have nothing to do with that. Congresswoman, when I touched upon the fact that this is all, there's also a spiritual component to this, obviously a lot of pro-life uh, advocates are people of faith. We've seen quite a few uh, pro-life centers, churches uh, uh, being vandalized. Are you concerned that this might happen? Well, absolutely. It already has. You know, lawlessness breeds lawlessness. And if you don't stand up and if, if you don't uh, if you don't prosecute these people when they do break the law, they'll just continue to do it because, you know, the chances are great that they won't be incarcerated for what they do. You know, if, uh, if people want to voice, there's nothing wrong with protesting, but it's called peaceful protesting. It's not called burning a city down, burning a church down, burning uh, a, 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 a clinic down just because they want to give you the choice to keep your baby. That's that's not lawful. And so I expect that to happen. I expect people to stand up and voice their opinions that they do not uh, agree with this overturning of this decision. But you know what? God is good and I, I'm just optimistic. Congresswoman, there's a group called Jane's Revenge. Um, it's a, a leftist group that is vowing um, violence and to take to the streets. Do you think that uh, leaders on the Democratic side need to come out and, and strongly voice their, um, you know, have a strong voice against this? Yeah. You know, if it's unlawful, call it what it is. Don't sugarcoat it. If they're breaking the law, they're breaking the law. Condemn it. For goodness sakes, if somebody on the right was doing that, I'd certainly say it's wrong. I mean, don't mince words. You know, the American people just want the truth. And if they're doing something that isn't right, let call it out. And so back to the issue at hand, where does the pro-life movement go from here? You're from Tennessee. It's a very red state. What are you hearing from the people uh, in your state? Well, uh, our state has trigger laws and, you know, waiting on this decision to come down, you know, and a lot of states probably do have trigger laws that will determine how they set policy. And it will go back to the states where it duly should be. And we'll see what happens. You know, you have to, like, goes back to the will of the people. You know, I have full confidence in the 
representatives of my state that they'll do the right thing. Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger, thank you. Hey, my pleasure. It's a great day and I look forward to what's getting ready to happen. God is good. The latest ruling has prompted a flurry of responses. Republicans are hailing the decision while Democrats are vowing to continue the fight. More companies are weighing in, announcing they'll cover abortion travel expenses for their employees. Former President Donald Trump praised the decision, calling it, quote, the biggest win for life in a generation. Trump said this is made possible because of three conservative justices that he appointed. Former President Barack Obama criticized the Supreme Court for reversing the nearly 50 years of precedent. Obama said abortion should be left to a personal decision. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says this is a victory for the right to life. This great nation can now live up to its core principle that all are created equal, not born equal, created equal. While Speaker Pelosi describes this as an insult, insult. to women. It's a slap in the face to women about using their own judgment to make their own decisions about their reproductive freedom. Abortion bans went into immediate effect in the states of Louisiana, Missouri, Kentucky, and South Dakota. At least 13 states have trigger laws to pose abortion restrictions immediately or soon following the ruling. Meanwhile, Democratic leaders vowed the fight is not over. And in New York and all over this nation, that fierce resistance will rise. A number of companies have announced they will cover travel expenses for employees seeking abortions. In recent days, concerns over attacks on our way of government have been raised, whether it be how the Constitution is slowly being chipped away as more laws are passed restricting rights that the framers of the Constitution deemed God-given, or the undermining of decisions made by the judiciary. Some say that this is setting a dangerous tone for our way of government, which ultimately impacts our way of life. Congressman Larry Bouchon of Indiana is a physician and a scholar of the Constitution, and we're happy to have him on to discuss Discuss. Congressman Larry Bouchon, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Congressman, President Biden just called out the uh, Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, he, he called it a tragic error. Uh, what is your reaction to, to that comment? Well, obviously, I disagree. I think, you know, everybody has a right to their opinion, including the president of the United States. But, you know, our form of government includes three branches of government, one of which is the Supreme Court. And, you know, it's their role to adjudicate cases based on the Constitution and the way they uh, evaluate and uh, determine uh, each case and its constitutionality and whether or not uh, it's correct. And they determined that the decision on Roe v. Wade from 1973 was not judged properly, and they overturned it and they over and stated that the constitutionally that um, abortion rights are, are not uh, are not there in the U.S. Constitution, and that it should be determined by elected officials, and they determined that that should be at the state level. So. You know, the president has the right to his opinion. But the one thing I tell you, I think we have to stop doing is every time we have a decision from the Supreme Court, and I'd say this to Republicans, too, that we use der derisive, uh, bad terminology as it relates to the court. It's part of our government. It's an independent third branch. And even though we may disagree, we have to respect their decisions. 
Congressman, you, you, you kind of answered my follow-up uh, question, which is, do comments like this have a damaging effect or undermine our system of government that's in place? They absolutely do. And, you know, we've seen this happen, honestly, on both sides. Uh, historically, you won't see me do that. I mean, when the decision came down to retain Obamacare when I first got into Congress, I disagreed with that. I thought the law was not constitutional and wasn't the right direction to go. But you didn't see me, um, uh, you know, use derisive terms about the court and their decision. Uh, they're the third branch of government. They're in the Constitution. And if we want the American people to respect our institutions in this country, whether that's our police, our courts, our school systems, uh, and, our, and our government as a whole, we ourselves cannot use this type of rhetoric. Congressman, <clears throat> excuse me, Jane's Revenge is a uh, pro-abortion group. Uh, they've made some of the following statements. I'm going to read to you uh, quickly here online. Uh, they're saying, we're asking you uh, for what you can do to make your anger known. They're also saying, if abortion isn't safe, you aren't either. Are you concerned about domestic terrorism potentially coming from these types of groups, and especially the safety of the Supreme Court justices? Absolutely. I think the safety of the Supreme Court justices can be at risk and also legislators, both at the federal and state and local level, if they disagree with this particular group. And statements like that need to be taken seriously by the Justice Department and make sure that they are investigating these groups when they make threatening remarks like this. And I would again, I want to reiterate, I would say this if this was coming from the political right. You cannot be making these type of statements. Our country is on edge right now uh, for economic reasons. Gas prices are very high. Inflation's up. Cost of living is way up. People are nervous. And so this inflammatory rhetoric is, is inappropriate and honestly should be investigated by the Justice Department. And Congressman, lastly, before I let you go, just the uh, the constitutionality of this ruling, there's a lot of emotion uh, kind of mixed in. As a lawmaker, can you just kind of explain what this actually means? Well, what they determined is, is that uh, constitutionally, uh, the right to an abortion uh, is not in the Constitution. And it isn't one of the fundamental rights granted to the American people in the U.S. Constitution. It hasn't been uh, in an amendment to the Constitution. And so I think this is a victory for the originalist view of the Constitution. Uh, and that's what's been determined. And so what they have said is there's no constitutional reason why state legislatures can't make decisions based on uh, their own views of whether or not abortion should be legal, limited, uh, or, or completely legal uh, altogether. And that's basically what this does. It just basically says, from an originalist perspective, the right to an abortion is not in the Constitution. Congressman Larry Bouchon, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. The House sent legislation restricting gun rights to President Biden for his signature earlier this afternoon. Congressman Tony Gonzalez, who represents Uvalde, Texas, was among 14 Republicans who joined the Democrats in voting yes. The bill came after a school shooting took the lives of 19 children and two teachers in his district. Thursday evening, the Senate voted 65 to 33, passing the bill that was led by Democratic Senator Chris Murphy and Republican Senator John Cornyn. We'll save thousands of lives. There is no doubt about that in my mind. 
On the Senate side, 15 Republicans joined the Democrats, including Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, Joni Ernst, Lindsey Graham, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney. Texas Senator John Cornyn said that it was possible to pass a good bill while still supporting constitutional rights. Those who say we need to infringe on the rights of law-abiding citizens under the Constitution in order to make good policy are offering a false choice. However, some members of Cornyn's own party believe his compromise bill infringes on gun owners' rights. Cornyn was booed during his speech at the Texas GOP convention last week that these Republican voters are definitely holding him accountable for what he is doing to their Second Amendment rights. A key provision in the bill is the so-called red flag law, which allows guns to be taken away from those deemed a threat to themselves or others. It's being called unconstitutional by some because it allows the confiscation of firearms without due process. They render you vulnerable that if you have a disgruntled coworker if you have an angry ex-boyfriend, an angry ex-girlfriend, they can go and give the state the power to strip you of the right to keep and bear arms. Another measure in the bill closes the so-called boyfriend loophole. Under the old law, individuals convicted of domestic violence crimes against spouses and those living together were prohibited from having guns. The new bill will broaden the law to apply to people who commit crimes against their boyfriend or girlfriend as well and the definition of a gun dealer will be narrowed, with gun sellers being required to register as federally licensed dealers. The measure also expands background checks consisting of juvenile records and mental health history for gun buyers aged between 18 to 21. The bill also includes money for mental health programs and school security. These are the two areas that most Republicans and Democrats agreed upon. The biggest point of contention was the red flag law and the subjective nature of how it will be enforced. President Biden is expected to sign the bill into law. And with the high court handing down a huge decision just yesterday, granting New Yorkers more freedom in their right to bear arms, Cheryl Chumley, the online opinion editor at the Washington Times, joins us to discuss. Cheryl Chumley, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Cheryl, outside of the landmark ruling that we're watching unfold here uh, that was just released overturning Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court has just made another ruling on a concealed carry gun law in New York State. Uh, many prominent Democrats, from the mayor of New York City to the governor, came out and reeled that the city and state are, are now less safe uh, because of it. Do you think that this is the case? No, I think this was a common sense ruling on the part of the Supreme Court. And honestly, I think it was an opportunity for the liberal faction of the court to show that they weren't politicized because it just seems so common sense that the idea of carrying handguns outside your home is part and parcel of what founding fathers intended with the Second Amendment. And the fact that the three liberals on the court couldn't come to that conclusion and in fact seemed to side with the emotional arguments about the Second Amendment, talking more and focusing more on gun violence around the nation than on the constitutional merits of what they had to decide, just shows me that the far left in America is really on a crash course to dismantle the Second Amendment any way it can. Cheryl, on the other hand, uh, Congress is now getting ready to pass uh, legislation further restricting gun rights. Um, what do you make of this schism? 
Yeah, isn't that interesting? A, a step forward for Second Amendment with the court, the high court, and now a step back with uh, Republicans, really, in the Senate. Fifteen Republicans signing on to the concept of red flag laws, which is part and parcel of this legislation, which I do not see how red flag laws in any shape or form meet constitutional muster, because on face value, they strip due process from uh, car from uh, legal carrying Americans in in for, excuse me from legal carrying Americans and the fact that Republicans have sided with Democrats on this issue is astonishing to me and I hope it gets struck down if not by sane thinking politicians in the House then eventually by courts. Can you kind of explain red flag laws and also what has you concerned about them? You know, what has me concerned it can best be ex explained by an example. Say I post something on social media that somebody deems as violent and dangerous, and then under red flag laws, that person could take my post to deemed authorities to uh, bring to court, and then I could be placed in a position in court of proving that I am sane enough to maintain my Second Amendment rights, while meanwhile, the other side, the accusing side, I can just use my post, my social media post, to show that I may be a danger to society and I should lose my Second Amendment rights for a certain period of time. It, it strips the whole due process and it really it flips on its head the notion of innocent until proven guilty. And if you think about the bureaucrats and where this could lead uh, in, in courts uh, down the line, it, it could very easily be used to weaponize the left to give the left a weapon to strip Second Amendment rights from any Americans they deem unworthy. And Cheryl, do you see this as a kind of a gradual gun grab that over time will just keeping, keep chipping away at the Second Amendment? Absolutely. Anytime the left talks about common sense gun reform, and that's common sense in ear quotes, you have to question how common sense it really is. If we really want to address the roots of gun-related violence in this country, we have to start looking at things like broken homes, fatherless homes, abuse in homes, and the factors that lead people to take up arms and shoot their fellow citizens in the first place. Cheryl Chumley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.